This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Episode 8 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, and Smooth Stride Jeans. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. In today's episode of Retired Racehorse Radio, we reminisce about Land Rover Kentucky three-day event and have an amazing interview with professional four-star eventer Lynn Szymanski. Then we take a sharp turn from the English world and take you to the Wild West with Caitlin Bradley, founder of the Western OTTB, and learn about how a thoroughbred can hold her own and working ranch with our RRP spotlight writer, Amber Jacobson. To mix it up even more, we have a special treat for you with our first ever featured standard bride Mm -hmm. on this week's New Vocations Adoptable Horse of the Week. Listen in. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Jamie, it's been forever, I feel like. I know we haven't talked since we were at Land Rover and we had that interview with Lynn out in the grass. So you guys are going to hear a little bit of that. It's been so long that my makeover horse has done a little damage. Oh no. What (laughs) happened? Man, it was just one of those days. It was like cold and windy, but it's been really warm here and it was like 20 degrees cooler. It was very balmy out And I got on him and he was just fractious. He just was feeling like a four-year-old baby Groot. And he decided to... Make you didn't me. realize that it was kite weather outside. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. You know, but I'm like, <laughs> I've got to just ride him. I got to get it done when I can, you know. And I became a lawn dart immediately. Oof. And what the worst part is, is, it was, you know what? It's always our fault. I think I put a little too much pressure on him, and I asked him to canter on his left lead, and apparently that was not the right time to ask for it. Oh. But the worst part, the insult to injury. Is I'm laying on the ground. Of course, I have a helmet on. I'm like, okay, am I? Is everything okay? You know, you do that like mental Your full checklist. body check mentally. Yeah, like yeah. toes, gonna move my toes, my fingers, everything good. Okay, and I look over, and that jerk has run over to the hay cart where there's like the bottom of the alfalfa what? is a in the hay cart. Not. And I'm like. <laughs> Hell no, you're not going to get rewarded for bucking me off. <laughs> so all of a sudden I just jump up in the air. I'm still, I'm sure everything's fine. And I just run over to him like, get over here. You don't get food. <laughs> so uh. that was my time. So I had to spend a little time recovering, but he is back in full work. And I'm happy to say that I think that was just a baby four-year-old moment. And I have a OSS. You know, baby brain is real. It, it's a thing. And, you know, just knock on wood next time. And well, I just, I have a strap now. OS, we call it an OSS and eventing. You get it's an a writing parachute, strap. whatever you need <laughs> <laughs> next time you launch. <laughs> and how's your little OTTB doing? Oh my gosh, Jamie. She's a damn cinnamon roll. Oh no. <laughs> what? <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I adopted this horse two years ago. This 15-1, pretty petite. Everyone thought she was like half Arabian when I got her. And it's like, oh, she's so cute. I love it. You fit right in with my Arabian horses. This thing, 
I don't know what she did over winter because all of her tack fit at one point outgrew her saddle, outgrew her blankets, outgrew her leg wraps. And, you know, I get the saddle, I get everything else. I'm like, good, we're good to go. I didn't think about the girth, Jamie. So I go and I strap this on my horses like in a food coma as I'm doing it. <laughs> and it's six inches too short. Oh my it used gosh. to be massive on her where I went like six holes on both sides. I'm like, what did you do? I stick this horse, Jamie. She has 16 hands now. Nice. Well, congratulations on her growing up a little Except bit. Sucks not that you to have my to bank get... account. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks you got to get new tack. So now I'm waiting on a shipment because, of course, I don't have a tack store nearby anymore because I moved out of the boondocks. I had a friend ask me, orders. Joy, she's like, when is it over? When are you done buying things. She got her first horse about a year ago. She's like, when are you done Never. buying things? When, you, when you're done having horses is when you're done buying. When you're things. dead. When you're dead. <laughs> done buying things for your horses. Here's well, the thing. Even if your horse passes or you sell it, you're going to buy pictures. You're going to frame their halters. You're going to still buy things for that horse. And then you're going to get another not. horse. I mean, yep. let's be real. So you're going to do that's why we love them. That's why we love them. So thank you guys for tuning in. What episode is this? Episode number eight. It's We're ridiculous. Eight. We're on it's number insane. eight. So thank you and enjoy. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, we got to sit down with Lynn Szymanski at Land Rover, and she probably needs no introduction, but things like World Equestrian Games, gold medal winning Pan Am Games team. She's won, been on the Nations Cup team. She was in the, uh, the traveling reserve for the 2016. She has competed 11 four-star competitions, Rolex, now Land Rover, Burley, Badminton, and Poe. And guess who she does it on? The most generous and kind off-the-track thoroughbred you can imagine. We've got her to talk about Donner today. Well, thank you for joining us here on Retired Racehorse Radio. And I am in paradise with like some of the coolest people in the world. I'm currently sitting in the grass at the Kentucky Horse Park with Joy and Lynn Szymanski. Hey, Lynn. Hey, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for coordinating this with us. You know, we are a show that talks about the retired racehorse and, and how they can go on to continue to be successful and have amazing jobs. And I don't think there'd be an argument. I don't think there's one that has been more successful or done more than Donner. 
Yeah, he's pretty cool. I'm pretty lucky to be part of his life. We <laughs> uh, were all just happy to, to be able to see something like that. I can't even imagine what it's like to sit on him. So what I kind of wanted to do was like, just walk us through, like, how'd you get him? Tell us, tell us the story of Donner. Yeah, he was, I didn't get him directly off the track. I had a call from a friend, Shannon Crocker, who um, said, I know a nice horse that is a bit quirky and tough and athletic, and I think he would suit you and and knew that the owner was trying to sell him so I ended up I just liked he was a nice stamp of a horse I liked his type when I first walked in he was in the wash stall and just snorting and uh, (laughs) very spooky but quick-footed athletic and I got him I you know I obviously had no idea where he would go I got him as a, a horse to bring along and either resell or see where he'd go with me but I don't think you can ever go into getting a young horse and saying okay this is definitely going to be my next okay, whatever this is I'm going to win the gold medal at the wags on that horse like, mm-hmm. I mean you don't I don't think you can plan for that no but you see it and I mean with a horse like that with as much talent as he had you had to know fairly quickly that he was going to be something special. Yeah, I did, in a, a special in a good and a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, tell us about what are some of the, the quirky, difficult things about him. Yeah, I mean, in the end of the day, the horse has such an amazing heart. Um, he's very insecure, and he had a lot of just confidence issues within himself in the beginning. You know, I think where he was best is when you put a rider on his back and gave him a job to do but when it was just him on his own he was impossible to turn out as a young horse he would always you know run around because he'd hear noises and scare himself and then try and jump the fence but not really jump the fence and and uh, he ended up I, he's not really ever turned out because he ends up hurting himself every time he's in turnout he has a little pen attached to his stall so he feels like he's outside um, it took a long time to get him just to trust that everything was going to be okay in the world you know it, when he got onto his job he was such a doer and such a trier and such a workhorse that that's how he ended we ended up developing him is just making sure he understood what his job was every day he's not one that enjoys long hacks in the woods he gets kind of scared being out in the open he thinks when he's out in the open he's the deer he's the deer you know he would really maybe survive in the wild because he would just keep running from whatever was chasing him the flight instinct is strong with this one but i mean how do you think that that kind of behavior pattern has formed him as a competitor. Yeah, I mean, he's so athletic and so quick-footed, and he has such a desire to do the job. And so once I brought him along, and he really loves running and he loves jumping, and even in the dressage, that I mean, it helped me too, is once he figures out, okay, this is my job, I'm secure here, I know what my job is in the dressage. We go into the box and we do our job. I know what my job is on the cross country. I get to, you know, and he's not, actually not that brave of a horse, but you convince him that he's brave you know and then he loves it because he loves galloping he loves jumping and I think it's something that you can't force these horses to do the job at this level you know they they all kind of pick where they're going to end up being and he just loved his job so much that that's how he thrived you know he's not one that likes being on a long vacation he just likes working and he likes having his people he likes his stall he likes his trailer he knows his few people around him and he's it's quirky like we that were way. talking about with yeah. nick the routine like they these yeah. horses like to have their routine so obviously when you saw him you're not going to know the heart right away without seeing them what about him stood out you're like you know what he's kind of quirky but i want to take him home i thought i just thought he was just beautifully 
put to, he's just my type, you know, he's a, I don't like huge horses, but I, I like a tall horse with long, like yeah. he was lanky, he had long legs, he was really quick footed. I liked his confirmation. I liked his eye, even though it was scared at times. And I just, I don't know, something about him I really was drawn to. Just the, the overall stamp of a horse and the fact that I had, you know, I had enough experience at that point when I got him that I knew I could bring something that had some confidence issues along. And once you got him to trust the people that were around him, he would really do anything for you. Um, and I think actually as an event horse, he, the reason that he is such a good cross country horse and so quick is he always is just on alert about everything. And so if you just put your leg on and you just keep coming, you don't really have to set him up for anything. And he's so quick footed and he's so athletic that that's why, you know, he's been so successful and he's so easy on himself. He's some of these bigger horses that, you know, are, are half bloods or even if they do have a lot of blood in them that you know are big and they gallop across the ground but they're just they're hard on their bodies and he's so agile and quick and nimble that that I think is why he's been around for so long and been so successful what's he doing today because he's not here at at the Land Rover he's been here so many times (laughs) I think he's kind of over the horse park I mean he loves the cross-country part but it's really hard on a horse like that that doesn't like to hack to go all the way from the barns on this long walk we take all the way to the stadium and, and they get a little bit sour of that if they know, you know, these horses that are veterans of it really know where they are. And if I were to let him on the cross country course, he'd be so happy. But it, it, he's a funny horse. He's very good in venues that he understands the structure. So if you put him straight into the ring or straight into the box, he's good. But it's hard on a, on a horse like that, that to go into this big open field and see all the cross country. And then, okay, all of a sudden now you got to go in and do your dressage yeah. test. So, and he's done so much over the last few years and not really been able to have a break. So... After the WEG, he's just had some downtime and flattening around at home and um, see maybe what we would do next year, you know, if maybe we take another overseas trip. And I mean, he's very well in his body. And yeah, we'll just see how he comes out because he doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life. He doesn't owe me anything at all. But he does really like working. So that's why, you know, we're keeping him having a job and keeping him happy. Would he be, I mean, I can't see him as one that you'd be like, "Mm, I'll just hand him to an amateur because I just, he's so intense. Yeah, I don't think it would go very well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only person I think I'd hand him over to is his longtime groom, Kendall, who Uh knows him so well and is such a good rider. I would would definitely trust that partnership, but I would be worried for both the amateur's life and his life, (laughs) just that they, he has a lot of really good quick-footed moves. He's uh, he's quick-footed yeah. in good ways and interesting mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Now, are you doing the Retired Racehorse Project makeover this year? I'm not, no. I've always really been drawn to it, but where I am with the upper level horses and it just I am spread way too thin right now so it was one more thing on the plate I couldn't do I love bringing the thoroughbreds along the first horse that I got when I was 14 and he was five um and we went to our first Kentucky together was a full thoroughbred he was a racehorse and that I mean that is where my heart is I love the thoroughbreds and there is no feeling better than sitting on a thoroughbred going around a track like this you know some of the shorter tracks I think that you know some of the half 
bloods that are fancier really have a, a, a one-up on the thoroughbreds, but this is where you are really hoping you have a thoroughbred coming home because, I mean, they dig so deep. and they. It's nice to know that you don't have to worry so much going into the cross-country with the fitness work because they have such a base there, and it is just, you know, it's in their blood, and it's so natural. And that is with Donner. I Each year I had to do less and less fitness work with him just because he had such a strong base that you don't have to pound their legs and, and run them into the ground trying to get them fit enough to make it through you know a track like Kentucky or one of the harder five stars. I mean I can't think of a better way to advocate like that's the best marketing we could put out for these horses and there's one for everyone which is great about them so to wrap up I think we should do some rapid fire what do you okay, think Okay some uh, Joy's got some some fun questions don't right. think too hard about okay. it. Okay. You've got it what do you have a margarita like you're ready you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> all right all right it'll be fun so who was your first horse uh well it was a pony and its name was lucky and it wasn't very lucky because it was uh, the town pony and i got it hand me down when it was 23 and uh, I, it didn't last very long with me it was kind of <laughs> over <laughs> teaching the neighborhood kids how to ride it dumped me on the road and ran home and that was the end of lucky <laughs> oh my gosh run lucky run <laughs> no kidding what is your equestrian pet peeve I think people that just treat them like they are machines and once they finish, they put them in the stall, they don't end up bathing them or washing them or, you know, wrapping their legs. It's thinking they've done their job for me and that's it and they go home. And I, I really like the end of the day after all it's done to having the relationship with the horse and making sure they're cared for because they are, we're not put on this earth to cart us yeah. around doing this job. They just happen that way and I think it really, really irritates me seeing riders or people that are responsible for them not taking care of them how they should be after they've done their job. If you didn't love Lynn Szymanski before, you love her now. Exactly. <laughs> All right. What is your good luck charm rich or ritual for a competition? I always wear these America socks on my competition days. And when I have a really hard competition um, at the five-star level, I have a deer ring that has antlers on it that I always wear. And I try not to be too superstitious about stuff, but I always have to have those America socks on for sure. Nice. Love it. Okay. What is your writing theme song? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this is kind of a weird, there's a, a song by uh, Martin Garrix called Animals that we actually found. Yes, uh, a, I know that Okay. <laughs> so I can't really say the exact words on the original one, but it started when um, I was in France going to Poe, which was Donner's first overseas four-star, or five-star, and it just started playing on the radio over there, and Hannah Sue, my friend, was with me, and that became like my cross-country theme song, because it's it's bad word, curse animals, it kind of like gets you all ramped up, and like, come on, it, I can't really say what it is here, but anyways, I don't know, it just sets the tone for the cross country. I have a cross country playlist that I always listen to when I do my last walk because it just kind of puts you in the zone. And That's awesome. Okay. What is your drink of choice? Mm. Red wine. Yeah. Girl after my own heart. <laughs> just red. She's not brand specific, just red. Anything in a red room. <laughs> All right. What is the discipline you've always wanted to try? I actually would say vaulting which is really weird but I did it when I was younger and I like have always thought it is actually really impressive and difficult um I you know I'd say show jumping massage but I already do those a little bit so um yeah a little bit only at the Olympic level but uh, 
yeah, I always wanted to vault. I thought it was really fun when I was younger, but I just wasn't a real gymnast. But I have, I mean, it is pretty impressive what they can do and also doing it on a moving animal. So Absolutely. All right, last question. What would your horses say about you if they could talk? <laughs> Depends on the day. Again, no curse words. <laughs> you know, I think um, they would say that I do make them work in terms of the training um sometimes probably too much to their liking but in the end of the day i do think they would think i was fair and clear in um what the job was every day that's what we all strive to be it's clear and fair and consistent and kind and awesome I- i'm so happy to sit here and talk to you and meet you because i've been a fan of yours for a long time and just uh just super super great job you've just done such an amazing job for the thoroughbreds and for Donner and for the breed and for the country it's just awesome yeah I am I mean I'm so lucky I never would have thought it would have ever gone on this journey and it's been such an honor and it's just so cool to have had my you know most of my team experiences and and um, learning the sport on an American thoroughbred that was literally born right around the corner it's kind of stuff movies are made of yeah (laughs) exactly well where can people find out you you know your clinics or your websites what where can people get in touch with you well my website is in the process of being updated so if you go there you can get my contact information Um, I think every rider we've talked to has said that exact thing I it's hard because you kind of you did them a long time ago and now with social media you do so much more on social media for people to follow you than you do on your actual okay, where's your website. social media then yeah so Lynn Smansky equestrian I'm on Facebook and Lynn Smansky Q Instagram I don't do directly my Instagram we'll take the pictures and I communicate through it but I'm not very good at giving you all the hashtags and stuff so you may no, just... we have kids to do that <laughs> yes <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> younger students I, do my hashtag no I don't know it's too much it's one more thing I just, I can't do it but I I am um, I am there and my horses are there on social media and you know I'm only a phone call away as well (laughs) thanks Lynn thanks Lynn oh man it's that amazing time again where we're going to talk about our equestrian must-have sponsored by Riding Warehouse and Sonia what do you got today hey so it's good to be back to start off by saying we've had some very strange weather this year which means that fly season is upon us in full force But luckily, Riding Warehouse has a massive fly gear section to keep you and your horse covered. So I'll start with fly sheets. One of the favorite fly sheet brands among the staff and our customers are the Cool Coats. And we actually just got in the most updated 2019 versions of these. And the nice thing is that they updated the chest closure strap. So it's not made out of that weird plasticky material anymore. And especially if you're shopping on a yeah, and especially if you're shopping on a budget and you're looking for a really well-ventilated sheet, these are these are great. Everyone in my horse's pasture wears one, including my own horse, and they all get pretty rowdy sometimes, but for the price, the cool coats held up really, really well. That's perfect. And I know that's like the number one fear of most people getting a fly sheet. You don't want it to be too thick where your horse is sweating underneath it, but you don't want it to be so flimsy that when your horses are playing hard, it's just going to get shredded and then you have to buy a whole new one. So yeah, I've heard wonderful things about the cool coats. What else do we got? Yeah. So another huge favorite brand amongst the crew is Weatherbeta. These are definitely more expensive, but honestly, in terms of durability and breathability, you really can't get much better. The 2019 versions are here and we've got tons of options in terms of material, whether you want the neck or without the neck, the type of closure, you name it. And all of Almost all of these have the UV protection too, which is especially great if you have those whites and grays and it's getting hot out there and 
Absolutely. That's something I look for too, because I actually have a black horse and they get so sun bleached in the summer as well. So the UV protection also really holds that color in for when you're doing show season. You don't have to worry about getting too bleached out, which I love about that. And then, yeah, definitely. Do you have anything else to go with it? Because for one, I can't think of a fly sheet without a fly mask. And I need like four of them right now. Definitely. You can never have enough fly masks. And like our sheets, our fly mask section is also pretty much endless. Um, a favorite amongst the crew are the Cashel Crusaders. And if you like a little bit of color, they just came out with their 2019 limited edition ones. Those are really fun. Ooh. They're definitely a bit more expensive, but they do last a long time. And fly masks especially, like you can go through those things real quick, especially if you have your horse in the field and they start mm-hmm. taking them off each other. So Absolutely. The cashels are great because they never actually pull back in on their eye. Like, yes, they're a little bit more expensive, but you are protecting your horse from a more expensive vet bill. So I really love the cashels. Yeah, exactly. And if you have even a bigger budget, we've got the Kensington Uviators, which I would say arguably, yeah, they are. But those definitely (laughs) offer the most UV protection of all the masks in our collection, which is saying a lot because we have a ton of them. Again, they're probably the most expensive, but if you have a sensitive skin horse, you know, I used to have one that sunburned really, really bad and the UVators was critical for him. So you're shopping for a UV fly mask. We'd recommend the Kensington UVator for sure. Mm-hmm. I do love the Kensingtons. I've had a couple of them and they're just gorgeous in general, especially when you have mares and they have the fun colors, but the UV protection is the most important part of that entire product in there but I also like the colors. And then what about yeah. fly spray? I mean, I stock up and I go through a ton of it, especially in Michigan. We have those no CMs and then you get the big buzz bomber flies as we call them up here. What do you have to protect my horses from that? So if you're looking for fly sprays, we have a ton of brands. And on top of some of the classic brands like Farnham and Absorbing, we actually recently started carrying some more smaller brands that kind of specialize in those natural or all organic sprays. And I, don't know, I remember growing up and my mom would always tell me to be careful not to get the spray on my skin when I'm fly spraying my horse. So Which it's is nice impossible. now that equestrians, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> going to get on you. So it's really nice that equestrians have the option now to choose something that's made out of something more natural. And, and they work well, too. You're not sacrificing the effectiveness of the spray. Absolutely. And, you know, I have two horses with really sensitive skin. So that having that all natural product that actually works is a big deal. And it's just, it's so great that you're able to provide those options for some of our more sensitive horses out there. And with Memorial Day coming up, I'm sure you're going to have some awesome specials and sales that people can jump on this weekend. Yeah. So we actually are in progress with our Memorial Day sale. It launched on Thursday, the 23rd, and it's good through Monday, the 27th at midnight Pacific time. And it's 20% off site-wide, which includes clearance. So you know, great opportunity to stock up on things you need. We don't do, you know, big site-wide sales very often. So definitely take advantage of it while you can. You know, a lot of our top items have been flying off the shelves. So go ahead and feel free to check it out if you need any, any horse supplies, tack, apparel, you name it. We've got everything on there. 
I love it. Thank you so much for Sonia coming on today and talking about all these amazing products with us. Make sure to check it all out at www.writingwarehouse.com. Take advantage of that sale. And for some of you guys who have been listening for a while too, you know that we had our hashtag my OTTB story giveaway. Well, our judges have narrowed it down to the top three and we were hoping to announce it today, but your stories were so great that they need a little extra time to deliberate. So make sure you're following Writing Warehouse on Instagram and Facebook and Retired Racehorse Radio because we'll be announcing it in social media in the next couple of days. Awesome. Thank you, Joyce. Thanks so much for having us on. We can't wait to hear the results of the giveaway. Me too. The stories were phenomenal. Thank you again for supporting it. And thanks for all you guys do for us. Thank you. Of course. Well, I am so excited to announce our next guest is Caitlin Bradley. Caitlin, when I posted to our listeners, hey, we've done some episodes. We want to know what you like, what you want to see. I got this amazing response of pretty much every single comment saying, we want Caitlin from the Western Thoroughbred. And so I came to deliver. Caitlin, welcome to our show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on your show. I'm excited to have you too. I followed you on Instagram and I follow you on Facebook. And I think a lot of people, when they think retired racehorse for a thoroughbred anyway, they definitely think more of the adventure and the show jumper and dressage horse, but you're taking it a whole nother route. Tell us a little bit about the Western thoroughbred. And what you just pointed out is exactly why I started the page. Thoroughbreds are so well represented in English disciplines. Mm-hmm. but they really don't have that much coverage in Western sports. And that's unfortunate because there are thoroughbreds that are perfectly suited for barrel racing, Western pleasure, branch work, and other Western disciplines. And there are actually a lot out there competing and people just don't realize it. So I started the Western thoroughbred to hopefully shine a light on those horses and popularize their participation in Western events. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I grew up in a Western household. I mean, my dad was all about making me watch Westerns. My first lessons were in a Western saddle. I learned all about reining, working cattle, Western pleasure. And so to see this, I mean, this really brings me back to some of my roots. And what I think is really amazing, we have a listener who I saw on her Instagram, is she was working cattle with her thoroughbred that she actually competed in the Retired Racehorse Makeover Project last year. And I just think it's amazing to see how versatile these horses are. Now, do you have a particular Western discipline that stands out to you? Well, I actually compete primarily in barrel racing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like most of the horses that I encounter through the Western Thoroughbred and most of the horses that I have featured also compete in barrel racing. But there's a great number that also do on um, Western pleasure, mountain shooting, competitive trail. And it's just really neat to be involved with these different events and see just how versatile these horses are and how well they can do in a variety of Western disciplines. And that's what stands out out to me more than any particular discipline is just how well these horses can do in a variety of different events. Absolutely. And so when you pick a Western thoroughbred in your ideal mind, what's type, what's the confirmation of the horse you're looking for? Like, Obviously, probably not your 18-hand linkies <laughs> are the ones you probably don't really see barrel racing, but what do you 
what should we be looking for? Which horses are most up for adoption for this discipline? So really overall, you want your Western horse to have a bigger hip and a shorter back. And we also want to see shorter cannons um, and a well-balanced neck. Usually that beautiful, big, powerful sloping shoulder that, you know, really gives you your speed for barrel racing, but also is just really appealing to also um, if you're going to show your horse in Western pleasure or halter classes, that's something that judges will be looking for. So overall, we just like a really athletic type build and a horse with a big hip um, will go a long way in really any Western discipline. And there are thoroughbreds out there with that type. You might have mm-hmm. to look a little bit harder, but they are out there. And I, I almost want to disagree with you on the fact that it's a little bit harder because I think you said it best earlier of what's really promoted are the English type thoroughbreds, right? But I see a lot of times that the horses who are waiting the longest to be adopted are kind of your shorter, more stocky, obviously not going to be your beautiful dressage horse or, you know, your eventer, but probably could tear up some dirt on a barrel track. Yes, and that's exactly what we're kind of hoping to do is get those horses adopted out sooner so they aren't waiting so long. Um, Usually once a week, I try to share a canter listing on our Facebook page, and we scroll through and we try to find horses that are best suited for Western disciplines, and that's always something we're looking for. And although we may end up scrolling past all the lovely hunter and show prospects, we do usually find the one that would make just a great all-around Western horse. So they are definitely out there. Well, cool. So, so I'm looking at your page right now and there are 11 and a half thousand people that look at this and I'm, I'm scrolling through and I'm noticing a lot of Western barrel racers that are wearing helmets or hell hats. Yes. So I'm actually really glad that the helmet trend has caught on in the Western world because it seems like every year, um, whether it's a barrel racer or um, a competitor in another discipline, it seems like every year somebody gets injured very severely. So whatever you can do to protect your head, we totally recommend it. And a lot of our ambassadors, myself included, have begun wearing helmets in the last couple of years. So very glad that that trend is catching on. Well, you are definitely leading by example, and I just do agree with you. I think it's so important. I mean, you've only got one head, and I, I see it particularly in the barrel world, uh, being from Arizona. It was a huge sport that a lot of the girls I knew competed in, and I went to a lot of them because they're fun. And then you see these these girls, I mean, they're flying around the barrels. I mean, you know, and you got one head, and all it takes is hitting one of the corners of those barrels or the top the lip of the barrel. I mean, it it just, it's, it's disaster waiting to happen. So I'm really glad that um, we're starting to see that trend a little bit more in the barrel racing world, especially because I mean, you girls turn and burn, man, you guys are amazing. Barrel racing is so here's, here's a story for you. I went to Texas and my, my niece barrel races and she's like, I'll take you to a play day. 
and we'll barrel race. And I thought, oh, cool. This is like bucket list stuff. I'm going to barrel race in Texas. And so I get on this horse <laughs> and I'm an inventor by trade. So I don't go slow, you know, typically either. So they, you know, they, okay, your turn. I'm up on this horse I've never sat on before. And I mean, I tear out of there and this was a play day. So it was like the barrels were in a row. And so you had to weave <laughs> yeah. down and weave back as fast as you could. And so, I mean, I get out of there and I'm hauling mail and I get through there. I spin around that last barrel, come back down, slide, stop. And they're like, that was 48 seconds. <laughs> like, what? It should have been like 18. I was flying. And then I saw the video and I was like, basically cantering like trantering <laughs> it was so embarrassing <laughs> so just like learning how to gauge your speed and how fast you're going and I remember everybody made fun of me because I was the only female or the only person that wasn't a child in a in a helmet so you got to lead by doing and you know what I respect what you do for sure. I think it's tremendously uh scary to be honest and I think you guys are awesome but What's amazing is that these thoroughbreds, they can just do anything. Yes, and I think that's one of their biggest assets when becoming a barrel horse is that they already know how to run. Mm -hmm. And that may sound silly, but that is something that not only, only the rider has to learn, but also the horse. And these horses already know that. So if you take your time and instill a good set of basics, these horses can take you so far in barrel racing or any Western discipline. And I think that's what's so special about them. So what's the first thing you do when you get a horse off the track that you want to, we'll, we'll make you our, our training tip. Uh, what is the first thing that you teach these horses right off the track? Um, so I kind of usually like to treat it like I'm starting a horse from scratch, but I know that they have a fairly, um, they know a lot more than, than a lot of people give them credit for when they first come off the track. I mean, most know how to stop, back up, uh, even change leads. But I kind of like to treat it like a clean slate. And the first thing I really like to do is get them really giving to the bit and just super supple. And I do a lot of stopping. And I try to practice walking, trotting, and cantering perfect circles. And once you can do that, and once you can get them moving off of your legs nicely, um, everything else comes pretty easily. So, you know, if you spend two or three months doing the really boring stuff, or, you know, what some people consider to be boring, your barrel racing or whatever you want to do with that off track thoroughbred will just be so much easier. So taking your time, making a supple responsive horse is totally worth it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Caitlin, people can find you on facebook.com and just search for OTTB Western. And it is a Western thoroughbred page dedicated to showcasing all off the track thoroughbreds that compete in the Western sports. So I think it's awesome and we appreciate what you're doing and we're happy to highlight you and get a little bit different flair here on the show. Yeah. And if listeners have a thoroughbred that they compete in Western sports with, they can just send a message straight to the page, including their horse's registered name and a little bit of information about what they do. And I will be happy 
to showcase that horse on the page. Um, so far, I've featured 900 horses, or as of tomorrow, I will have featured my 900th horse wow. on, on the page. So yeah, when I first started this, I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, am I the only one that's sorting cattle and running barrels on a thoroughbred? And I have found that I certainly am not the only one. <laughs> and there are just incredible horses out there competing at the highest levels. I've featured horses that um, are doing incredibly well in cowboy mounted shooting. Uh, Horses that have earned their riders, their professional card in the WPRA, and horses that just do amazing things. And I'm very happy to put them in the spotlight and give them their chance to shine. So, well, wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that, Caitlin. And we will uh, talk to you again very soon. All right. Thank you very much. Seeing that we're kind of highlighting the Western world today, I don't see how anybody can sit in a Western saddle without a pair of smooth stride jeans. I'm not kidding you. They are the most comfortable riding jeans of all time. They've got that awesome cell phone pocket right there on the thigh. And I can't, I mean, they're just so fantastic in a Western saddle because they've got like the boot cut leg to them. They're so, so nice. Please. If you haven't checked them out, check out smoothstride.com. I just went to California and did some training at Monty Roberts and I only wear my smooth strides there. And it is a topic of conversation. People always go, what kind of jean is that? Because I've got the knee patch jeans and they're super cool. Now you have some as well, right? I do. And actually fun thing, I wore them to the barn. It was a pretty busy day because finally in Michigan, the sun broke. Spring was finally here. So I wore my for a couple hours, <laughs> yeah, a couple hours of it. And I had people actually come up to me like, what kind of jeans are those? Those are so cute. It's like smooth dry jeans. Duh. You got to get yeah. some. <laughs> I love like shaming, but I'm like, how, duh, how do you not know? How do you but not the, have these on right now? It's so true that they were really impressed with the material and the cell phone pocket is really what drew them. You know, I ride in a Western saddle for a couple of my horses and to not have to sit on my phone or have it dig into me is the best thing. I feel safe going on trail rides. I look good doing it and I get lots of compliments. They're pretty, pretty great gene. No matter what discipline you do, you should have a pair of these in your closet. I've also put half chaps on around them too. Mm -hmm. You can't beat the cell phone pocket for being the ease of carrying it. And there's two different style. There's the full seat ones. And then there's also just the regular jean kinds. I mentioned the knee patches. So just keep that in mind. Please go check them out at smoothstride.com. Desiree would be very happy to help you and fit you. The, all the sizes are different and they all have cool names like a Mustang and warm. They all have different names, types of different horses. And when you do get your jean, she sends you two. She sends you one of each kind of size that you might be close to, you pick the one and a postage paid envelope will return the other one. So you don't even have to worry about that. So you can try on a couple. Please check it out. Call Desiree. She's at smoothstride.com. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding firm is taken second. But California Chrome shines bright.
And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. pleased to bring Amber Jacobson on the show. She is the owner of Running Fawcett Thoroughbred Limited and also is a breeder, owner, starts colts and fillies probably, and is also a thoroughbred makeover competitor. And we'll get to all of that. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being on. So Talk to us about what running faucet thoroughbreds is. Very similar to all of the thoroughbred breeding farms down in Kentucky, just on a smaller scale. In Canada. <laughs> in Canada. Breed to sell mostly. I do put reserves on my yearlings when I go to the sale. And if they don't match my reserve or exceed it, then I take them myself and I'll find someone to train for me. So you do raise some thoroughbreds and you, you've, so you don't train them, you have a trainer and then you run them basically. So the horses that don't sell, you keep, and then that's probably the ones you win the most with is the ones you don't sell. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's hopefully the goal. (laughs) Uh, Gotcha. So what, what type of stuff do you do? Um, see after they're done racing, or when they're, when they go, they race, they come off the track. What do you do with them after that? I keep in contact with all the ones I do sell and, you know, let everybody know, like, please let me know when they're done. If I have availability, I'd love to have a shot with them if I can afford it at the time. Mm. If not, like, hopefully they go on to do other things, anybody that will take them. And I mean, usually they end up in the English world, especially here. But I really want to change that and hope to see more thoroughbreds end up in the Western discipline. And we just talked to Caitlin Bradley, who was just on, and we talked to her about her Western sports. First of all, before we get to what you are going to be competing your makeover horse in, talk to me about colt starting. Do you just do your own horses, or are you like one of those crazy colt starting competitor people? <laughs> just for the racetrack is where I've put my efforts into so I have started for a bunch of clients and a lot of the thoroughbreds here in Alberta have been started by me started to get down further in numbers and just I'd like to expand to more like the off-track training really okay Mm -hmm. so uh, that's what I wanted to highlight a little bit and ask you about is our listeners may not know exactly what goes into starting a horse for the racetrack. Can you go into just a little description of what you do? Yeah, for sure. The ones that I've normally started have been either with me for like since birth for clients, whether they boarded with me or I sales truck the horse and they sent it to me. And that's been the majority of horses I've started. So a lot of them already have a ton of ground manners going into the starting for the racetrack program. That's nice. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, by the time they go to the sale, they're already leading like champs and standing square and they're fine with blankets and brushing all over that kind of thing. And I find the biggest thing that is so great with, sales prep horses especially here in Alberta because we are blanketing them even in the summer in the evenings because it's getting chillier by the time our yearly sale comes and I find like throwing the saddle on the majority of them they don't even phase they don't care because they've had blankets over top of them a million times and like straps (laughs) interesting so So 
what, so you, with these horses, sorry, Joy, that have been prepped and everything, what, do you use a round pen? How do you get them to that first rider? Yeah, I use a round pen, lunging them, just making sure they're really comfortable with things like overhead of them and that they'll drive forward nice and easy, make sure they're completely sacked out. I do drive them on the lunge line in the round pen first. I had a track at my old facility, like an indoor track. So my stalls were on the inside and then the track was on the outside of the stalls. Cool. And I'd even drive them around that track before I get on with some of them that needed others. I didn't feel I had to. And I go above and beyond. Like I've got the outside track as well. I'll ship all over and go to arenas and really just let them see as much as possible. Getting them outside is the biggest thing and knowing their leads and partnering up. Like, I mean, they're on the track and it's pretty busy. So you want to partner them up. You kind of want to hit stirrups with each other and go up like walk opposite ways of each other making sure they're okay with a horse passing them going by them they're okay to pass uh, so you really make sure you're giving them the full experience the full package when you're going out there have you found when you're retraining your horses that that translates back over and finding them in that second career or do you still kind of come with some of the the issues that some other trainers might find when they're going to like the thoroughbred makeover? The only thoroughbreds that I've actually restarted myself from off the track have actually been ones that grew up with me. Okay. <laughs> Lucky. So I yeah, no kidding. You know their full story and know everything. I know kind of their full story and what they're about and stuff. And I know like that hasn't been an issue with me of them being mm-hmm. scared of a bunch of things. I like watching other people and like reading all their other stories and, you know, being scared of different things. I find like a lot of the people say that that's not an issue. You think of all the things that racehorses see, it's lots, right? They have tractors going by, they've got huge manure tubs all over the place. They've got flags. They've, you know, they've seen a lot. Right. Right. I totally get that. And I, le- I just love the fact, it sounds like you start them a little bit slower, getting them ready for the racetrack, giving them that full experience up front and kind of, I don't want to say you mother, but I'm just going based on what you're <laughs> saying, but you kind of mother them along a little bit in it. And it sounds like when they come back and they're ready to be like, okay, I'm done racing. What's next? You're ready to just get up and go. Yeah. The biggest thing I've like, the hardest thing I've struggled with, with the off tracks and going to the Western discipline is really softening that mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the harder the pull, the better they are as a racehorse, a lot of people say. So to take them and say, no, don't pull on me. So <laughs> that, being a, that's probably my biggest challenge is that growing up, mouth. Growing mm-hmm. up Western, I have a question. Do you keep them in a snaffle or how do they take a curb? How, just out of curiosity there. I actually ride my young one that I'm just starting now, the four-year-old. I started her back on just the rope halter. Now she's in a snaffle and she'll probably stay in the snaffle till at least after the makeover. Okay. You do it more traditionally. I was curious. I was curious. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some old school cowboys like just throw that curb in and just hope it works out. But no, I I like your method right there. It doesn't sound like Amber's got much old school cowboy in her. You know (laughs) what? I am a firm believer in never to assume, Jamie, but (laughs) I want to know about this four-year-old that you're competing. Silence is awesome is her name, correct? Yes. 
Tell us about her. I'm so excited about this because I think it's unique that you bred your own, raced your own, and now you're getting ready for the thoroughbred makeover with her. I mean, that's pretty remarkable and special. Yeah, I'm really excited about her. I I did. I bought the mare in full with her in Kentucky, and I did not think I would be able to even get remotely close to bidding on this horse because she was out of a half-sibling, or the mare, sorry, was a half-sibling to Awesome again, and I was like, I can't afford her. So I didn't even look at the mare before the sale or anything, and she went through the ring, and I just happened to be there, and sure enough, she was in my price range. So I keep bidding, and I bidding, and all of a sudden, I'm signing the yellow ticket, and my hand's shaking. (laughs) (laughs) And I went down with the vet to go get like her pelped after because sales void if she's not still pregnant and so forth and do the export exam so we can get her to Canada. And we get down there and there's warning and caution signs all over this mare stall. Oh no. (laughs) And I'm like 4,500 horses at the sale and I buy the one with the warning sign. (laughs) (laughs) So the vet looked at me and he's like, did you know this? And I was like, no, sorry, have fun. Because <laughs> it's like kicks to pelt, claustrophobic. Um, oh, man. Warning, caution, just not a nice Was she a chestnut? She sure was. Of oh, course. No. <laughs> Which is actually my favorite. Like if anybody wants to give me a chestnut mare, I usually take Oh, them. me too. That's my off the track as a chestnut <laughs> mare. So I'm with you, girl. I like them crazy. <laughs> yeah. So was so, she that bad or did she just need a little bit of work? I don't think she was. When I first met her, yes, she was. Sorry, I shouldn't say when I first met her. She was fine. Like we had to twitch her and trank her to actually let the vet help her to find out if she was pregnant. Uh-huh. Otherwise, she really did offer to kick even being tranked and twitched. And then she was fine to load into the trailer. And I took her to my girlfriend's farm down in Kentucky just till I was ready to go back home. And she was totally fine. I never closed a divider on her to get to like from there to there, just a nice short little trip. And when it was time to go home, I had a full trailer of four horses and I threw one mare in and then I went to load that mare and she would back out of the trailer every time, just kept on backing out of the trailer Hmm. and would not like, as soon as you went to close the divider, she'd pull back and try to leave the trailer and got loose a couple times and okay, get the trank. So we tranked her and I'm like, just lock me in here with her this time. Like actually close the door. Don't let her get out. And my girlfriend just held her hand over the door and the mare backed out while the trailer door hit my girlfriend in the face. And then she had to go for stitches. Oh my God. Oh, and anyways, long story short, we got the mare into the trailer with some extra trank and everything else, put the two wheelings behind her and five hours down the road, I just, my trailer starts shaking and everything is nasty. I pull over and I look in the window and the mare has broke both dividers off both sides of her. And she's got one of them standing like in between her hind legs oh and there is blood everywhere. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I like call like a local vet and we get her all fixed up, sutured. And they're like, you can't take her home. I was like, there's nothing you can do here that I can't do in the trailer. Like I've got the meds now. She's sutured. She's either going to make it or she's not. Hmm. And they were like, she's not going to make it. But we got her home three days later and I had my vet out. Like I literally called him at like 10 p.m. I'm like, I'm going to be home at 11. Can you come and make sure this mare's still pregnant? Because if she's not, I'm going to put her down. 
Oh my god! And he's like, "Yeah, I'll meet you home, Amber." So he met me home, helps her, and at this point, like she's in so much pain, we didn't even have to worry about tranking her or anything because she could barely move. And he helps her; she's still pregnant, but you know, you're gonna need this is a long haul. He's like, "This, I don't know what the foal's gonna look like. You need to have her on genomycin. You need her on banamine, probably two days, two times a day minimum of a full dose. Like, good luck." cold hose, cold hose, cold hose. And like this mare was like from her udder all the way up to her anus, she was cut. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. You're saying this so calmly and I'm just sitting here like trying not to pull my face off. (laughs) Ah, this is so stressful. So, so the end of this whole story is you get a full and this is your yes. makeover full that coming out of this nightmare of a mare. It is. It is. <laughs> oh my God. Please tell me that you did not breed this nightmare again. Or she's way better. <laughs> God. I did. Um, I actually, I wasn't going to. And a client of mine from Manitoba, he said, you can't get rid of that mare. I'll take her. You get her in full again. And I'll take her. Okay. So he's got a two-year-old by a sire that I used to stand named Rascal Rascal Cat, who's the son of Pulpit. So that two-year-old will hit the racetrack this year. Nice. And Silence is Awesome is the one and only foal I got out of her. (laughs) And she was my little miracle child. Like, I literally, when she foaled, I took a picture and sent it to my bed. I'm like, it has four legs and two eyes. (laughs) (laughs) There's no extra pieces on it. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're going to be comp- no. you're going to be competing her in working ranch is the plan, correct? Yes, yes, minimum. We will. I I really want to enter two disciplines, but for sure, working ranch. Okay, tell us a little bit about what working ranch. Is. Yes, good question. Working ranch, what it is, as in the for the makeover or yeah, what? like what do you need to do to prepare? What will you be doing there? There's like a lot of cattle work. So whether it's sorting or pairing out or just gathering cows, checking cows. So that kind of stuff, like I'll be doing on the ranch. I'm lucky enough. My in-laws manage a beautiful ranch up here. So we get to ride at least four days a week, just riding through their cows, checking them and then just helping out with local brandings and gathering for that taking her all over the place for the show competition part of it. I entered the Alberta ranch horse versatility competition mm-hmm. and I'll go to three of those before I make it to the key makeover challenge. And those entail six events. You go through a ranch trail competition. So that will entail like maybe dragging a log. You might have to check your mailbox off your horse, putting on a slicker, crossing bridges, logs, like unrocky field. And it's all involved in different throughout that competition too. And then after that, you do a ranch riding pattern, which is usually a simple 4-H pattern, I'd say. Then there's cutting. So you have to cut the cow out of the herd. Actually, you have to cut two cows out of the herd. Fourth event is a reining pattern, which will include your spins, your stops, lead changes, Good Lord, this Things sounds like really that. hard. This I know. is a four-year-old. I'm like, I'm sitting here just 
how do you even prepare? And it's not like you have a, a full year, really. No, but see, no. she's got such no. you, Amber, you've got such a leg up on the competition, man, because it's like you're actually using her at a working ranch. It's awesome. True. It's true. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to get that start going that going. We haven't done a ton of it yet just because the weather here isn't as nice as it is down there. <laughs> but we're gonna start here. I guess June eighth will actually be the first time I take her out to go gather cows for branding. Cool. I'm not going to have yeah. her in the branding pen. I'm actually going to use my other off-track thoroughbred for that this year for the roping. And I've already gone out and like paired paired out with her. So we take the and tagging all the calves. So we'll take like two groups of like, or, well, he's got about a hundred cow calf pairs out in his field, and we just bring one or two cow calf pairs in at a time, separate the cow from the calf, take the calf, put them back out and off we go again. Amazing. Um, That's so, it like sounds so fun. Already. I mean, that just sounds really fun to do that. So, well, this is great. Where can people learn more about you and silence is awesome because we love to highlight somebody that's going to the makeover and good. I'm just really glad I'm not competing in working ranch because I get my butt kicked girl. You are awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. The best place to follow me is probably on Facebook at at Silence is Awesome, O-T-T-B. Let me make sure I have this right. (laughs) (laughs) What my page is called. At Silence is Awesome, O-T-T-B Makeover Challenge. Okay, fantastic. Perfect. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Come and find us. We'll we'll both be there. I'll be competing one and, and Joy's gonna be there. We're gonna be broadcasting live from the Thoroughbred Makeover. So make sure we, we look you up and I, I wanna I can't wait to see working ranch. It's gonna, it's gonna be, be so, so cool. Thank you so much. I can't wait to meet you guys. All right, awesome. fantastic. Best of luck. Thank you. Well, Jamie, are you so excited for our newest New Vocations Winter Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week? Because we're mixing it up this time. We have our first ever featured standard bred, and I'm super excited to welcome Jennifer to the show, the head trainer of the standard breds at New Vocations. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I'm so excited. I mean, We've had such a huge request to have standard breads featured on the show. We've really focused on the thoroughbred, but you know what? Standard breads put their miles into, and they are just hardy horses. So I'm really excited to have our very first one on here. Tell us what drew you to standard breads. So first, thank you so much for having us on the show. And it's wonderful and heartwarming to hear that there's this clamoring for standard bread attention. And it's something that's us at New Vocations work so hard to bring the standard into the forefront of people's minds when they're looking for adoptable horses. And uh, we work really hard on the education and the visibility. So to hear that there's an interest in them on your show is wonderful. Um, for me, I was, um, I was involved with harness horses from an early age, and I, I also was involved with jokers, and I just always thought that they, they make great, uh, versatile horses that you can do anything with, with great minds and very trainable. So that's what drew me. And, and wanting to share the love of the standard racehorse with the world. Well, the horse that you guys chose to highlight for our adoptable horse of the week is the absolute prettiest standard bread I think I have ever seen. No, I looked at it as like that. That's not your traditional standard bread. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they're beautiful horses, but typically you kind of see more of that like hardy working horse. And he's here like, here, I'm here to steal your girl. He's Let's gorgeous. Be honest. 
Uh, standard breads are notorious for having big heads. <laughs> it's true. And it is true. Called jugheads. Uh, but oh my God, this horse is so elegant and refined. His name is Atlantis Secret. He's a 2004 gelding. Now, keep in mind, standard breads are way, they have such long careers in the standard bread world and standard bread racing. So he has seen probably everything. He's 16 hand tall bay. And then your adoption fees for these guys is so ridiculous. His adoption fee, Joy, is $400. I mean, that's the steal of the week. I mean, because this looks like a $10,000 plus horse. Easy. So tell us a little bit about him, Jennifer. What do you love about Atlanta's secret? Let's sell him right now because I might adopt him. <laughs> yeah, I know he is beautiful. He's gorgeous. He's beautiful. Uh, I think a little bit of what you're seeing is he's just had a little bit of letdown time now. He's he hasn't raced since 2013, and the racing stable kept him on as the barn mascot, and they shipped him all over the country. So everywhere the racing stable went, he went with them, and uh, yeah, he's he's got lots of downtime and he's put weight on. So this is a non-racing standard bred essentially. He's he's bulked up and he's got lots of muscle and he looks like a million bucks. He looks like he's horse show ready right now. And it's funny that you talk about the jug head because we, we do see a lot of them, but they're, they're almost getting bred out. Like more and more, all of our horses have re, this refined look that you see. And they're, really? they're easy to mistake for warm bloods. I find it's very, that's what I honestly thought when I saw him. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah. honestly, what I love most about him is this headshot on your website of him where he just has this very knowledgeable, warm expression. Like this looks like the horse. He's like, I got you, whatever you need. I got you. And I'm like, please take me. Let's ride off into the sunset together. So, and that's, that's the, the, what begs the next question is a standard bread. You know, have you guys put any training, uh, riding training, or do they make good riding horse? I'm asking stuff. I know the answer to, but it's because it's important to know, mm. do they only drive or can you ride them? And what are they good at? Yeah. So that's what happens when they come to our farm here. They, they usually only have the driving experience and we break them to ride, but it's not that difficult if you know what you're doing. I mean, considering they've got thousands of hours as a driving horse. So they, there are two fingers to steer, to turn left and right and stop. And if you have an educated seat and hands, it's very easy just to hop on their back, essentially, and go on with them. But keep a light seat, and uh, they don't like a bouncing seat too much in the first few rides, obviously. They've always had that educated hand and the contact, a really good contact with their mouth. So uh, you need an educated rider as well, the first few rides, uh, until they understand their new job. But they're pretty easy to restart, all in all. That's I love super- it. <laughs> That's great. And what type of sports do they excel at after they're adopted? I think that they just love the trail, the adventure of the trail. They're they're calm and they're level-headed. And uh, more often than not, if you're out and you see an obstacle that they don't understand or something that might be a little bit spooky to most horses, they just quietly evaluate it in their own smart way and, you know, chew and go on. They don't, they're not very reactive most of for, for an energetic racehorse, they they tend to really be smart about what they choose to get reactive about. Absolutely. Actually, when I was in Ann Arbor, when I lived back there, we had the Washtenaw Sheriff's Mounted Police who boarded at my barn and they actually had standard breads, which was really cool to see that they, that was their second career for them. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of that adoptions to, to sheriff's departments and mounted patrol units. We do. 
for that reason. Uh, they really mm-hmm. take to that kind of, I mean, the crowds and the water trucks and the harrows and the tractors and the mobile starting gate that they get behind, they get behind a, a starting car. They put their nose right on the tailgate of a starting car and they go 35 miles an hour at the start. So they're used to traffic of all sorts and you just can't train that. Right. Yeah. I mean, such a great brain in there, just um, a, a great brain and years of experience. And if people are interested in standard breads or Atlanta secret, where can they find him? He is at newvocations.org and you can fill an application out for adoption and, and check in with us and we can talk a little bit more about him. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. And thank you for coming on with our first standard bread. I'm so excited to have more come on as the show continues. And I, We'd love to also get into the story of the standard bread as the show goes. We really focused on thoroughbreds with the makeover coming up. But for all you standard bread lovers, stay tuned. We're going to be bringing them, I promise. So thank you again for being a part of this with us, Jennifer. Thank you. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio and follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My email, if you want to get a hold of me, is jamie at horseradionetwork.com. You can find Joy at on Instagram because she's like super cool and younger than me and she has an Instagram. I need to get one. You got to teach me how to use it. Joy H. Equestrian <laughs> is her Instagram and her email, of course, is joy at horseradionetwork.com. We cannot do this without our sponsors. Please visit them. Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, and Smooth Stride Jeans. Also, there's a ton of shows at horseradionetwork.com. Please, if you like it, go on and like give us a rating or something. However, that was stuff. Like and subscribe. That's what you say, Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. So don't forget to learn and love from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye. Bye.